Jim's a great coach. Uh, um, I watched his team go to the Final Four when they were over at Riverside. They had a great chance to win. And any time you get that far uh, in uh, NCAA tournament, state tournament, whatever, uh, you got to have a little luck. And uh, Jim, as I recall, that game was televised, and you got beat by the state champions in a very close game. You might tell us a little about the game. Well, that was a... Yeah. Maybe you don't want to talk about it. So yeah, it's it's we, always we, tough to talk about games you lose. Right. We, we lost that game. Uh, we gave up a lot of points that night. Um, one thing about that game, we out-rebounded that team by about 15. We shot 60% for the night, and we lost by about 8 or 9. We just turned the ball over a little, too, a little bit too many times. Um, I, I thought we really had a great, great chance uh, to win that ball game. And uh, we, we hung in there the, the entire ball game. Biggest mistake I think I made in that game was not settling uh, my team down mm-hmm. and, and getting them into a half-court set. Uh, San Antonio East Central averaged about 115 a game for the, uh, for the year. They've been beating teams by an average of about 40 points uh, per game margin of victory. And we went in there. We, we like to run. Yeah. You know, I like to run as well as anyone. But uh, this team, uh, they had a kid named Stan Bonowitz who averaged like 35 a game. And a he, went on, he went on to play a college basketball, Bonowitz, and I think he played for A&M. No, he played at Texas Tech. Oh, Texas Tech. That's absolutely right. And, yeah. you know, they didn't shoot normal three-point shots. They were like three or four feet beyond. And, and they just shot lights out as well. And... But I called a timeout and said, look, look, let's settle down. Let's try and, and, uh, and run something. And my uh, point guard, Ruben Rodriguez, said, Coach, you know, we can get a layup anytime we want. Yeah, but I said, well, what's happening is every time we're getting a layup, they're going down the floor and they're hitting a three. So, you know, we're, we're losing that game. And eventually it, it wore us down and, uh, and, they, and they beat us. But, you know, it was a, it was a nice run. We did some really good things uh, to get there. We beat Fort Worth Dunbar at the buzzer. And the next morning, we knocked off Abilene Cooper to, to win that regional. We were 5A. Riverside was at 5A at that time. And uh, they did a good job. Now, uh, I spent 20 years there, and I'm, in my, I'm starting my third year at Andrus. And I've got a team that really, right now, that works very, very hard. And they've got the potential to, uh, to do some of the things that the 95 team did. It's a very, very smart, intelligent team. Um, We've got a combination of size and speed, and I'll be honest with you, I'll, this team that we have coming up, um, I think I could, we, could, we can compete with anybody in the state of Texas in, in the 4A. I think we're going to be we're going to be pretty darn good, and I know you shouldn't say that on the radio, but but um, I, I like our chances this year. You know, the possibility of I always tell the kids, I said, you know, if you don't think about winning a state championship or getting to Austin then what's the point in playing? And I told them, I said, you need to get that, get those things into your mindset. Because uh, you know, it's a, I'll be honest with you, Andrews is a, is a great school. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm there. The kids are great. Uh, the school, the administration, I get a lot of support from uh, Mr. Anderson, our principal, and, and Mr. Bryant, the assistant principal, and the rest of the administration. It's just a fantastic school. 880-5763, 880-KRD, our telephone number as we continue here on the Don Haskins Show with Jim Forbes. Um, I know you do want to make a correction for something we talked about last hour, and that was concerning water breaks during practice during your time at Utah. 
there were no water breaks. I was thinking about the end of practice where we were able to you get water. You can't keep you drinking water for a week now. You know, you gotta, gotta give an old boy a break. But uh, I got thinking over at Memorial Gym. Uh, I try. I was doing it. I hated it when I was at Oklahoma A&M, Oklahoma State now. Uh, we, for four years, I didn't have any water and uh, complained uh, uh, more than anybody. And then when I went off to coach, I did the same thing. But, uh, you know, one of the things, we started on the Olympics a while ago. Yeah, let's continue. I think, uh, 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 Jim, why don't you tell them what you recall about that game? I know that I felt that we did not play well, but we did uh, a couple of things at White Jones. They sent some big rushing out at 7-4. So Dwight Jones got suckered into a fight, so he got thrown out. Didn't Jim Brewer, Jim Brewer got hurt, if I remember right. And uh, um, really and truly, they were a team that had been in their third Olympics. And uh, we probably, they probably should have beat us seven or eight points. But uh, Miss Tribe used to tell me when we were practicing, and we're over in Germany. And I, I told him after I watched him play, I said, Coach Ibe, I don't see how we can beat him. And he said, they'll choke. And sure enough, at the end of the game, I remember we had uh, uh, a timeout with maybe 15, 20 seconds to go. Jim, we were down one. Is We were down, was it three? Well, how'd we end up one and hit? Well, uh, you tell the story. Well, you know, as a, a coach is right about uh, one thing. People, you know, they, they talk about the Russians and they derive that team, but um, you know, I'm here to tell you, it was a very, very good team. I mean, they were an older team. As coach said, they were in their third Olympics and they had a lot of experience. They had a guard that really, really gave us a lot of trouble, Sergio Belov, and, and his uh, brother, I guess, was uh, Alexander Belov, about 6'10. And their front line was as big as uh, I think I've ever seen. I mean, they were strong, raw bone, and very, very talented group of players. Notwithstanding that, uh, we all thought that, uh, that we were going to win that game. And as that game unfolded, we did not play very well. I mean, to be honest with you, we got outplayed, and we got outplayed badly in the first half. We were throwing the ball all over the place. I guess nerves were taking over. And the game was played uh, 11.30 that night, but, you know, they had to play at 11.30 that evening as well. And it was, it was a packed uh, crowd at the, the basketball hall. And it was pretty intense. you got to remember, this is the Cold War time, the United States, Soviet Union, and so on. Uh, emotions running very, very high, and it got the better of, of the U.S. team, especially for the first half. And the second half, uh, we, we kind of settled in and started to play a little bit better, and we started chipping away. The Russians would be up five, six, seven, eight. We'd come back, cut it to two or three, they'd go back up seven, eight, and it was almost, at times, it almost looked like they were, they were playing with us. And uh, we just, as we got, as the game wound down, we could see them start to try and protect the lead, a very slim lead. They quit going to the basket, and we started running, running just a little bit, got some turnovers, and uh, we're down three, about 30 something seconds to go. And, and I got the ball on, on a wing, down three, and it was in my hands. So I said, well, I guess I'll shoot it. And I did, and it went in, and we were down one. 
and they came up. That's the floor. right. I do remember that. They, okay. they come up the floor again, and we're pressuring them all over the place. The guy drove drove by me, and we reached up, and a couple of guys we tipped the ball away. Collins came away with that steal and went to the basket and got fouled. And, and hit probably, in my view, the two most clutch free throws I think I've uh, ever Jim, seen. Jim, um, let me back up just a little bit. I'll never forget with about 15, 20 seconds to go, uh, they called a timeout. And we're over, and uh, Mr. Ivis said, who do you think we ought to put in? And uh, he had a nickname, if you remember, for everybody. Uh, Anyway, uh, I said somebody, and he said, no, where's Peter Rabbit? Now, that was uh, Doug Collins. He called Doug Collins Peter Rabbit. And uh, Bailoff, the 31-year-old guard who was the most experienced, they had all their players who had been through three Olympics, made a pass, as I recall, that uh, uh, Doug Collins uh, took the length of floor, was going to shoot a layup, and got tackled. It, it should have been flagrant. And he stepped up, and as Jim said, the two most clutch free throws that I have ever watched, and that's when all heck broke loose. Now, Jim, as I remember, as they stepped out of bounds, it was three seconds left on the clock, and they started up the floor, and uh, buzzer went off, but the Russian coach was out in the middle of the floor, and he was calling the timeout. Okay, the... Uh, uh, you can't call timeout. Coaches can't go out on the floor. Here's what so you you, do. you I don't want to disturb you because this is something I do want to hear, but i got to get my first break in. So let's do this. Let's take the break. As soon as we come back, we'll pick up right where you left off. More of the Don Haskins Show with Jim Forbes live from Fuddruckers West, only on That's News right, Radio, KRE. 600ESPNElPaso.com AM 600. as we continue here live from Fuddruckers West at 5030 North Desert Boulevard. More of the Don Haskins Show. Dollar Coors Lights. Come on down. Also mention the bear when you order your dinner and you will get an instant 10% discount on your meal. They've got not only uh, great burgers, folks, but salmon, chicken, steaks as well. Great, uh, plenty of great reasons to come on down and join us. I've got a pair of callers, Nanuel and Ruben. Hang on the lines. We'll get to the two of you in a moment. But first, Coach, I want you to continue right where you left off, talking about the late stages of the uh, gold medal game in the 1972 Olympics. Okay. Um, as I recall, after we scored, there was three seconds on the clock. And I looked down. I saw the Russian coach race out on the floor asking for a timeout. Now, during the Olympic rules, is you had a buzzer, and you you buzz the the bench buzz the scores table, and then you call the timeout. Uh, Jim, I'll let you have it. Well, what happened there is that you know, they, they made a mistake, and and to make they, matter, they made about three of them. Coach is right about <laughs> they're they're too numerous to keep count of. Yeah. But uh, they bought that ball inbounds after Collins made the shot, uh, dribbled up, threw it, threw it up, and game over. They didn't know game's not over. 
they said, okay, we're going to reset the clock, and they had a little problem with that clock, and they bought it in again. Uh, Jim, do you remember why, you know, all the rookies at the scores table, we, there was, I uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, but there was a American communist by the name of John that was set in the stands, and he come down and told them to put time back on the clock. Go ahead. Well, Coach is right. I think uh, we might still be running those last three seconds back about 20 times until they scored. And I, yeah. don't, I, don't have any, you know, I don't have any doubt in my mind, number one, that the United States won that basketball game. That's, you, know, you, you, you look at it, and I've looked at it over and over again, and I can't come to any other conclusion. They, they brought it inbounds again. We got it back. They gave him three seconds again. Threw it the length of Florida, the guy 6'10", and uh, scored the basket that night after the game. You know, the officials never ever, the two officials uh, never signed the book. That book is still unsigned. And, uh, uh, you know, they had quite a ruckus out on the floor. And Mr. Ibe and I were there till about 2.30 or 3. Now it become a vote. There would be five countries. If, if three of them were free countries, mm -hmm. we won. If uh, three of them were communist countries, they won. Now, when we left around 2.30 or 3 and went back to Olympic Village, we had won. Then somebody come to our room at about 5 in the morning. They, they voted again, and they won. So they changed their vote. Is what oh, they it changed now, uh, four or five times. You left an interesting point out in this whole discussion, and that is, I believe after the second replay and the second victory for the United States, after that next delay, you were trying to convince Coach Iba to pull this team, the Americans, off the court and just go into the locker room. Well, see, we're, we're down at the scores table, and there wasn't one person that you could communicate with. And I told him that I thought we ought to go in, go to the dressing room. And uh, 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 he said, no, you know, he was, everybody was confused. The players were confused. The officials were confused. Um, uh, the guy that was running the whole show, it appeared to me, uh, was the American communist guy by the name of Jones, and he don't get mentioned very often. Yeah, his name doesn't come up very, very much, but he basically orchestrated that entire uh, episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said before, I'll stand by what I just said, you know. Uh, they could have brought that thing in 20 times or 30 times before they got it, the conclusion that, that he was looking for, because uh, it, was a, it was a shame, you know. We won, we won that ball game. You know, to come back, to keep coming back like that and to fight that hard and to have a guy make those free throws and then have this team bring the ball in over and over again until they did score. And Jim, it wasn't over and over. It was only three times. <laughs> it's also and it's also probably it'll go down as the biggest travesty in the history of uh, of sports. I, I think it has. Yeah, and you know the so. thing about Collins, you know, one of the things that people don't understand is um, today, any time a guy goes to the basket like that and gets hit like that, that should have been a flagrant foul, regardless of where you're yeah, at. He, he got shoots, tackled. He shoots those two free throws, and we get the ball, and that's it. Did they have rules for that situation no, back I, in the early 70s? I didn't know Sure that. they did. They had flagrant foul they rule. Did. Sure. Okay. And uh, um, uh, Jim, there was another travesty uh, during the Olympics. Uh, that's when, uh, you know, the shooting. 
that happened. That was not over 100 yards from our, uh, where we stayed in the village. You know, they called the games absolutely, out absolutely. for... Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Talking about the Israelis who were murdered right, in, that, right. uh, in that hostage situation. And uh, What was it now? The two of you, since you lived that situation firsthand and were right there, were you both aware of the developments that were going down in the village during the situation, or did you hear about it after the fact? Well, after th that night, they called... You know, we started hearing about it mm -hmm. and uh, found out kind of what happened. And... As I recall, they caught, you know, we didn't practice. No, the game stopped that day, and uh, um, they had a memorial service over at the huge stadium. And I think that night, um, I know Mr. Ibe and I went in to Munich. We only went in there a couple of times, during, and when we got back, we're at the gate, and uh, uh, they had a helicopter. And uh, machine gun—I mean, uh, machine guns, a whole bit. And when they took off, there must have been Jim. Were you at the gate that night? Yes, sir. I was. I, I think all the players were too. There's around five, six, seven thousand people because they wouldn't let us in. And we're looking at the whole situation at two or three hundred yards down the fence. And uh, they took off and they opened the gates and we went in. The time we got back. To our, and turned the TV stations on. Uh, they had landed for gas, and uh, the Germans uh, shot everybody in the plane. Jim, why don't you share some of your recollections of that night as well? Well, the coach has to remember this. We were going to, we were walking by the, uh, the Olympic Village where the uh, Israeli athletes were held, and, and we actually saw one of the, uh, the terrorists with his uh, mask on and, and, and the gun. And we walked by there, and then we turned around and came back and went back to our to our room. But um, yeah, it was it, it was frightening. Um, there were a lot of people that were very very concerned, and at the same time, there were other people who didn't quite understand the, how the gravity of that situation was. And I don't think a lot of people at that time thought that uh, what was going to transpire that night would happen the way it did. And you know, it, it was just a it was a shame, and um, to be a, to be in that situation, and you have yeah. your heart goes out to those people. That night, uh, that shooting took place about four. Do you recall hearing the shots? See, they they were right next to us, within seventy-five yards. Yeah. Did you hear the shots? I, I didn't. I, I didn't did. Hear. Did you? Hear? I, I, and I thought no, that couldn't have been shot. I went back to sleep. We come down the next morning to go to breakfast, and Mr. Ibe and I were, he said, I don't know what's happened, but something's happened. And uh, then I, I don't recall how we found out. But, it's an amazing uh, story. Yeah, it really is. Let me go to the phones right now. Eva, do we still have our two callers on the line? All right, let's do it. Let's start it off with Nonwell from Silver City. Nonwell, thanks for the call. Go right ahead. You're on the air. All right, yeah, we're, we're from Silver City, New Mexico, and we really appreciate Coach Hapkins coming back and uh, putting on the show so that we can hear him again. It's such a pleasure to listen to all the stuff that he's had. He's got so many years of uh, his profession, and it's great to listen to him. I lived in El Paso for a time and got to witness uh, Hardaway and Foster and Antonio uh, Davis play ball there. I'm wondering, out of his championship team, which was the next closest team that he thought could have won another national championship? Uh, 1964. 
Uh, we got uh, uh, Jim Barnes. Uh, we were 25 and three, and Barnes fouled out three times that year, and we lost three games. But we got beat by K-State, and they got beat one point in the finals by UCLA. We very well could have won it that year. Now, um, now where are you from? From the city of New Mexico. Silver City. Coach. Silver City. I love Silver City. We used to have basketball camp, and I know Jim Forbes, but we, we used to go over there all the time. I love Silver City. One of my, one of my little cousins, he your camps every year. Okay. And, and he wound up playing for the Lobos, Royce Olney. Roy who? Royce Olney. Yeah. Royce, Royce Olney. Do I remember him? You bet. Yeah, he, he was really good. Jim, you're shaking your no, head we, like we, you remember him. Yeah, we... Uh, uh, we tried real, real hard to recruit him. The low boat sneaked in on us somewhere or another. <laughs> All right, thank you, Coach. Manuel, thank thanks you. for the phone call. All, All right, right. let's keep on rolling. East side of El Paso, Ruben's up next. Ruben, thanks for the call. Welcome to the Don Haskins Show. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. I'd like to ask uh, Coach Haskins a question. Go right ahead. Go ahead. Coach Haskins. Um, over the many years uh, with your career here at UTIP, you had some tremendous, tremendous ballplayers, including uh, Mr. Ford. My question is, uh, can you put together for me a all-minor team? I'd have a heck of a time, but uh, uh, I've always said, so you don't like to do that. You, you start leaving people out. But when you start picking a player, you pick a guy that... Uh, uh, can guard you, can handle the ball. Uh, Jim Forbes uh, would fit in the first uh, um, probably five, six, seven players uh, because he could do it all. He could guard a guard. He'd go out center court, guard a guard. He could guard a forward, and he could guard a center. And after he even after he got hurt, and the way he got hurt, we were scrimmaging, and there was a little kid under the basket, and. Uh, uh, he hyperextended a knee, and it cost him millions of dollars. But even after that, after uh, uh, I think nowadays the way they fix knees, he probably uh, could have played. But he he was a heck of a player even on one leg. And I'll never forget one night we're over at Arizona, and uh, they had uh, oh Eric Money. Uh, they had four, three or four guys that went in the first round of the draft. And uh, Jim, as you recall, we took him out to half court. We knew we couldn't play with him. And uh, beat him like 15, 80s. And uh, I don't know if he missed a shot that night. Like 27 points. And uh, he played a, a really great game. But uh, Jim, he always played well. He, always, he was a leader, um, a tremendous uh, basketball player, and even more so a tremendous person. There you go. We'll take a break. Come back. Final 30 minutes with Jim Forbes as the Don Haskins Show continues live from Fuddruckers West at 5030 North Desert Boulevard on News Radio KROD. 600 ESPN El Paso.com. And 
welcome back, everybody, as we continue from uh, Fuddruckers, more of the Don Haskins Show, 880-5763, 880-KROD. We'll get to Frank in a moment. Our guest, once again, is a former minor and Olympian Jim Forbes. Coach, a couple of questions from people in the audience. Joe wants to know if you were surprised at the talent level of the opposing teams at the 1972 Olympics. Well, uh, see, it's different because uh, all the foreign teams, those were professional teams. Yeah. So, yeah, the talent level was very high. Uh, the Russians have been together. Jim, can you... Uh, I don't think it's like it is now because most... Uh, uh, yeah, there, there was... Uh, uh, there was a great deal of talent. I remember Cuba uh, beat us in the Pan American Games. Yeah. And uh, didn't, we played them yeah. first. Cubans beat and, us. And uh, so. I think Jim uh, must have a burr under his saddle because mm -hmm. he scored the first five field goals in that game. Yeah, they had beaten us in the uh, Pan Am Games and, and really basically rubbed it in. And uh, when we played them, uh, I think it was in the quarters, uh, we, we took care of them pretty good. There were, there were some good teams in the Olympics. The uh, Italians, when we played in the, uh, the semifinals, had a very, very talented ball club. And uh, I think we beat them by 30. The Brazilians had a very, very good squad. As I said, the Cubans and the Russians. There were, there were some good teams. Uh, one of the things that people think is just a, a walkover. No, there were, some, there were some darn good basketball players. Coach, uh, another the, question. The, I was going to say, go ahead. The Russians were by far the best team besides ourselves. Another question for you right now is, Coach, name the player that you lost the recruiting battle for that you regretted losing the most. Was there one guy in particular that you lost out in the recruiting battle where years later you really regretted losing? Well, there's a lot of, you know, every time uh, I think I've told a story about uh, when Greg Foster and Antonio Davis were coming, and uh, this kid come with him. They had a, a guard they wanted to bring, and uh, I thought, well, I'll let him come. So we decided to take him. He had one visit, and a week later, uh, uh, he started calling. I don't know if Jim's heard his story, but finally on Thursday or Friday, uh, Tim Floyd stepped in. He said, Coach, uh, Gary Payton's on the phone again, wanting to come. I said, uh, you know, we'd already taken a guard when he said no. So every time I ever watched him on TV, I turned it off. <laughs> One more question for you before we go back to the phones, and it's Coach Haskins. If you were made the new commissioner of the NBA, what changes would you make? Um, well, there'd be a lot of players wouldn't like this, but, uh, uh, you know, we all know about the steroid problem. Yeah. Um, I heard uh, uh, I heard one of the old ex-players say something about it. Uh, it wouldn't be this one one time you do this, second time this. I think they all know the rules, and if you get caught, um, uh, you're through. Now, if you'd rather have drugs, as uh, the millions that they're making, I think you ought to be through. They know the rules. There you go. So I don't think I'd be a good commissioner. You'd definitely be a strict commissioner. You might not be as well, popular. Well, um, I got a feeling Jim Forbes would uh, might be the same kind of commissioner. Yeah, I, I think zero tolerance is the way to go. And once you once you enforce that, then it sends a message to everyone else that mm -hmm. you know you do it the right way. 
There you go. Story. Let's go back to the phones. 880-5763 as we continue with Frank from Central. Frank, thanks for getting in. Uh, welcome to the Don Haskins Show. How are you doing, Steve? Good, Frank. Coach, it's an honor Hi. always to speak to you, sir, and I really, really appreciate everything that you've done as an ambassador to the city of El Paso, first uh, and foremost. Thank you very much, Frank. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Uh, basically, what I, my, my, my question basically is, is, you know, with Glory Road showing all over, you know, the United States and stuff, it shows the hardship of what their 66 squad went through. However, my question is, was there the same animosity? Was there something going on within the team? How did you get these guys to gel together. I mean, this was the 60s. I mean, you had a very diverse group of individuals here. Now, each of them probably had some kind of uh, their own mindset. However, they played as a team, and it takes quite a mentor to get them all to hook on the same cylinders, you know? And that's my, that, that's my question. Everyone's thinking, okay, fine, it's us against the world, but it starts at home. Well, I tell you what, <clears throat> all the guys got along very well together, and I've always had a uh, uh, one of the things I've always believed in coaching yes, is uh, you treat everybody the same. Yes, sir. And uh, uh, you treat them, you treat them all, all the same. And I never have believed that the 12th guy on your team, you do give him a little leeway because I never wanted. Uh, a Jim Forbes, I was on him all the time. He had great talent. Yes, but maybe another guy that's down 11th or 12th, you just don't, you don't give him a hard time because he's doing the best he can with what he's got to do with. Exactly. I don't know if I've a- answered your question. but you, you, You've done it uh, excellent, sir. I, and I, 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 uh, I appreciate you, you taking the time out of your rough day to, to talk to me. And thank you, Steve. And thank you, uh, Mr. Forbes as well, Coach Forbes. Thank you. Uh, you all have a wonderful afternoon, and thank you. Thank you, Frank. All right, Frank, thanks for the phone call. We appreciate you getting in today. 880-5763-880-KROD. Yeah. Go ahead, that, Jim. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I played uh, for coach for three years, and I felt like there were times and days in practice that I couldn't do anything right, and he got on me. And this is a story I can share. My mom you know, passed away about 1999, and I remember I was a, a, a freshman, a sophomore, and she came to practice. And he was getting on me pretty good. And I mean, really, really. I mean, no matter what I did, defensively, offensively, I mean, it's, it's a test you go through. And uh, end of practice, and I'm, I'm talking to my mother, and I said, you know what, maybe I made a mistake coming here. And she just looked at me and says, why don't you just you know, grow up, you know, get over it, and, and, and get on with it, and, and deal with it. And when your mom tells you that, then you go out and you say, okay, well, go play. I never recall a parent being more supportive than uh, Jim's mother. Uh, I had a lot of good support. Antonio Davis's mother was great, but it always helps if you get support from home. And uh, I was sitting up there watching her that day, and she was shaking her head, and I knew he was going to catch heck when he got home. <laughs> yes. How would now, now, for you as a player, when you say coach would really get on you, what would he do to try to get in and, and, and really uh, beat down on you mentally? Well, let's take a, a defensive drill. You know, you're, you're going one-on-one. For example, let's say I'm guarding uh, Gus Bailey. Mm-hmm. Gus, a friend of mine, who played at Burgess in UTEP and played five years in the NBA. You're, you, you're doing it. We're doing our one-on-one. You know, you're making him turn, and you think you've got him turned, and you're doing this and that, and he, 
and then you hear this voice saying, you're not doing a very good job, you know, a few other things with it. And you're thinking, well, I'm down, you know, I've got my feet down, I'm moving my feet, got my butt down defensively, I'm working. And, you know, it, it, no matter what you do, you know, you're sitting there going, hey, it's not right. And, and, and what it is, is a, it's, it's a mental thing. You know, it's like, as I said, you know, it's, it's a mental type thing to try and develop a mental toughness that you can do a little bit better than what you think you are. And then I thought about this. Is I think I'm really working hard. And he's telling me, you can work a little bit harder than that. And I work a little bit harder. And he's saying, no, you can work a little bit harder than that too. And, and, and that's what that was all about. And it's like, no matter how hard you think you're working, you can defend and play better than what you actually are. And, and that's the key, you know, you, to, to be able to, to push yourself to that, that limit where you think you can't do any more on the court, but then you find that reserve and you can go. And once you find that, then the sky's the limit. Coach, was that the secret to your uh, motivation all those years for the well, ball players? You know, um, if we're going to a war, and uh, I was in the Army and I had a drill sergeant, and he wasn't very tough. And uh, the guys around me wasn't very tough. I don't know who I'd want at my back. And uh, I think coaching is like being a drill sergeant. Uh, not everybody does it the same. But uh, uh, when you go to battle, that means uh, when they pitch the ball up, you want to be tough. And uh, I always felt like our teams at UTEF are very tough. And I really enjoy watching uh, the Miners play now uh, under Billy Gillespie. They're extremely tough. And uh, Doc Sadler, um, go to one of his practices and find out how easy it is. Jim and I went to a couple games a year ago, and uh, mm -hmm. we, we both liked what we were seeing. There you go. All right, guys, let's take one last break. When we come back, we will wrap up the Don Haskins Show. We are live here, Fuddruckers West. More in a moment on News Radio KROD. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue home stretch here of the Don Haskins Show. In the meantime, uh, both coaches, it's, it's nice. And not only is Jim a former player, but he is a uh, longtime high school coach. And as we talked about earlier, one of the more successful high school basketball coaches in the city of El Paso. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I'd like to see Jim one year get loaded with talent. Now, he's not going to say anything about his team, but I've watched him, and he has not been blessed over the years except a couple years at Riverside and he did something with them. But uh, uh, he is going to be competitive uh, every year, do a great job. Uh, Jim, do you, how many classes do you teach? I've got two. Like mo most coaches, we have two classes in, what the, do, in what the morning. What do you teach? I uh, teach uh, social studies. Social studies? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Were you, uh, when you were in Benjamin and in Enid, uh, what did you teach? I taught history. I was two days ahead of the class. <laughs> Maybe two hours. I don't know. But uh, uh, no, that's the truth. Uh, you know, the reason I was at Benjamin, because I played too much pool and I liked 12 hours of getting out of college. Did you, so, enjoy, did you huh? enjoy your classroom work? Did you enjoy teaching? 
I really did. I got to where I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I had a class when I was coaching at Headley, trying to get my degree under a coach. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Frank, uh, anyway, uh, people wouldn't know it anyway, but I was gonna, I was down to my last three hours and I thought, well, I'll take uh, football coaches class and it's a taping class. So I thought, well, you know, I'm over 75 miles and it's three or four days a week and I won't have to drive back and forth because I knew him. And uh, uh, so we handed in our class cards. I figured I'd just come back and get a grade. And uh, uh, very sternly, he said, uh, uh, we're going to have uh, a test every day. It'll be a very short test. You're going to have to read five pages. And you can either make an A in the course or an F. Now, if you miss a day, that, mean, that meant you got an F. Mm-hmm. So I missed one class and made a B. But uh, uh, he taught me a little something. Uh, see, most college professors, uh, they don't check roll. Well, he, he checked roll because you pencil and piece of paper. I got sick of hearing that. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> but uh, uh, I learned a lot about that. And so when I started... Uh, uh, back again over to next year teaching history. I would have them read three or four pages, give them a very simple test. You can tell real quick if they've read it. If they read it, they can make a good grade. If not, all the teachers out there I know probably don't go along with my method of teaching, but uh, uh, it worked on me. Sounds like it. Jim, how about for you, a highlight of your UTEP playing career? If there was one moment in particular that uh, rose above the others, what would it be? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I think um, the night uh, my sophomore year, we uh, beat BYU at our place. We had lost to them in double overtime at their, at their place up in the Marriott Center in front of about 21, 22,000. And we came back and we, uh, we, we beat them by about four or five. They had chosen the, the big center from Yugoslavia. And uh, we were able to, to come back, come from behind and get them. And I also remember it was uh, the night I got a uh, technical foul. And, and I was told in you no know, uncertain terms that the only person who gets technicals is, uh, is Coach Haskell. Uh, Jim, I can't imagine what happened that you would get a technical. I really can't. What'd you, what, well, how'd, you, how'd you earn that he, technical, Jim? How did you get it? Um, I thought Chosik was getting away with a lot, and I told Rudy Merritt what you I thought of Cresimir Chosik was getting away with a lot of pushing and shoving around the basket, and I, I, I told Rudy Merritt in uncertain terms what I thought of his officiating, and he teed me up. And, <laughs> and that was the only one that I, I got. But, but that win uh, got us an NIT bid. First off, you're laughing right now, Coach. I'm sure you probably weren't laughing no, when uh, that technical what. took place. Chosik got away. He was 33 years old playing college basketball. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of the funniest things of all time was uh, Rudy Marich, who called... Rudy Marich is a guy that called Jojo White out of bounds. Same guy. <laughs> so anyway, we're playing... Uh, uh, and I talked to Stan Watts. And I think Chosik arrived at school about basketball practice time and uh, uh, went home after season's over. But anyway, one night, uh, uh, Stan Watts, the BYU coach, he told me that this had happened. 
he said uh, uh, Rudy Marich gave Chosik a, a technical because Chosik started jumping up and down in Yugoslavia and saying a bunch of things, and Rudy Marich gave him a technical. So anyway, uh, uh, Stan Watts came over and said, what'd you give him a technical for? He said, because he called me this, 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 and this. And Stan said, damn, he'd been calling me that for four years. <laughs> We've got to have a, a winner for tonight's uh, giveaway, our Border Bucks card from Howdy's. We had some good callers this hour, too. All good subjects. Coach, I don't know about you, but uh, I thought uh, our last caller, Frank from Central, who called in and asked about some of the 66 players, and, and that was uh, was a pretty good one tonight. I thought all of them were good, but I agree with you that Frank's was a very good call. All right, we'll give Frank the uh, prize. Congratulations, Frank. That uh, $50 board of Bucks card from Howdy's going to you, and uh, we hope you uh, enjoy that. In the meantime, Major League Baseball All-Star Game, are you a little worried? It's 2-1 uh, to one National League leading the American League. You're, uh, you're behind by a run early on here, Coach. Well, I'm going to... Um, I guess I'll have to bring you to FUD records. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you'll top, probably take me to Big Bun if, if, if I win. So, uh, um, I've Big got a Bun. feeling. I, I've got a feeling. We, we've, got a, uh, we've got a FUD record. Either way, we've got to eat a FUD record. That's right? exactly right. That's exactly First off, have you seen the, uh, the buns here? They're huge. Oh. So, and the burgers are as well. So, Jim, uh, have you seen that giant hamburger they got here? Why don't you take one of those home to your wife? No, she wouldn't be able to handle it, but I know you can. Oh, yes. It's the Bear Burger, and okay. that's a one-pound <laughs> hamburger big. with a hatch green chilies, cheese, and Coach has a special way of putting onions on the burger that uh, you got to try, Jim. Will do. In the meantime, Thank thanks so much for being so gracious with your time and uh, joining us uh, here for, for more than an hour on the show. Thank you very much. Coach? Fastest two hours you'll probably ever have in your entire life. What a well, show tonight. I'll tell you what, uh, one of my favorite players and uh, one of my favorite coaches we had on the show. So it was great. There you go. And, Jim, I want to thank you very thank much. Thank you, Coach. want to thank all of our sponsors as well. And I uh, hope everybody had a great time out here. Mike Krzyzewski along with Jim Forbes. Thanks to Eva Padilla back at KRD Central for engineering the program. For Alex Arroyo, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We'll see you on the 25th, two weeks from tonight, live at Fuddruckers West for more of the Don Haskins Show. You've been listening to the Don Haskins Show. Brought to you by 600 ESPN El Paso.